More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome back in. Hour number three, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Encourage you to go download the podcast. Make sure you don't miss a single minute. Give us five stars. We're going to put Dub in charge of rolling through. If we read your five-star review, boom, you will get a wildly entertaining prize package of some form or fashion for listening to the show you can search out my name clay travis buck sex and it's easy to find we are joined now by alex berenson his new book pandemia is coming out this week he's been on with us quite a bit alex thanks for joining us and let's dive right into it are you currently curled up in the fetal position in your hazmat suit with 18 different masks on over the latest variant uh, from South Africa, or is this more COVID fear porn? I, I mean, how did you know? I'm, 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 I'm in the closet. I'm, you know, in the basement. Yes. No. It, this is. <laughs> I mean, look. This, this, this. Unfortunately, I mean, it looks. And I hate to be this cynical, and I hate to be this dismissive of the health authorities, but they have earned this. Um, this looks like a joke. Okay, the South Africans, and, and and frankly, it's not a joke though. It looks like an effort to sort of try to get people get their boosters um, because, you know, booster demand is flatlining uh, and, you know, first dose demand is flatlining and the vaccine mandate, you know, is sort of on the ropes. And this is, it looks like a pretty desperate effort because if you look at what the South Africans who are the ones who actually have been treating people uh, who, who have this variant are saying, they're saying, yes, it's very transmissible, but it looks actually much milder than be a good uh, thing. If that's true. Right. I mean, because we'd want this to spread widely. That's right. It will truly be the final evolution of this, if that's correct. And we don't know. Okay, it's very early. Okay, and perhaps you know there's a world in which it all goes bad, and this is not just very transmissible. You know, it's equally or more pathogenic, pathogenic than uh, than you know than the Delta variant or other variants. Um, but 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 we certainly don't know that. It doesn't look that way. And so you really have to ask yourself what was behind this sudden coordinated global panic. Um, and, and, and certainly it looks to me like it was 
the boosters, you know, people don't want to get boosters. Vaccine efficacy is failing. This is a way to make an excuse for that. And uh, and we should all be very cynical. Uh, and, and by the way, the stock market went down on Friday. It's up today. So clearly the market is saying it doesn't think there's much here. Alex, it's Buck. Uh, it's been a couple of days. Thanks for thanks for being <laughs> back. Good, good to talk to you. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. What are we seeing now with the, uh, the the term breakthrough doesn't seem to get used very much anymore in this country for cases. Are, are there are there numbers? Are there official numbers on how effective the vaccines are after six months and how many breakthrough cases we have? Because it feels like we should have a lot of that data, but we I, I don't see it. I mean, I, I'm looking around for further clarity on this. I mean, essentially. At, at what stage of the vaccine uh, plateau or dip are we? That, that's a great question. I, my best guess, and, uh, and you know, some people have actually been saying this, and I just subjectively in the last few minutes, is that uh, we're, we're rolling off vaccine efficacy right now. So that, you know, most the, the peak vaccine months were February through May. And we're now six months out, which means from, you know, sorry, six months out from May, more than six months out from February that means that uh, that means that those people are losing any protection um, against infection or transmission. If you believe the uh, you know the UK and Swedish and Israeli data, our data is terrible, but but th- those countries have pretty good data, and it shows that essentially uh, protection goes to to zero against infection and transmission. Um, and so I think that's why, or that's one reason why there's this desperate push for boosters because. Uh, the Israeli data also shows that if you give people boosters, you, you, you know, you temporarily punch up their antibodies and you get some protection back for a matter of months. Now, it's completely unclear that that's worth the risk of boosters, the risk of long term, uh, you know, impacts uh, from, you know, from getting your body on this cycle. But the health authorities clearly don't care about that right now. All they care about is if they don't get people boosted, the numbers December, January, February are going to look terrible. And everyone is going to, even the stupidest people in the world, are going to wonder, what have we been doing the last year? Well, you know, what, what is the Fauci plan, by the way? What do you think? I ask people this now because it's so clear. It's just it seems like everyone gets the everyone gets the shot has to be the plan, including children. We played NIH Collins before the director of the NIH saying, you know, we'll look at kids in the ICU as if that's a real you know, that, that's a real explanation. What is the Fauci plan as you see it at this point for America to deal with COVID? I don't just mean the next two months. I mean, like, the next year. Why would you think they have a plan that goes out more than two months? I think they are hoping to get to this Pfizer drug, which we've talked about, which may be effective. Um, Look, you know, I'm going to talk about my book here for a minute because I – and the reason I'm going to talk about it is – so when I was writing Pandemia and when you read the book, it really does catch the last 18 to, you know, 24 months. And one of the things that became clear to me is, like, they've been wrong over and over again, okay? And everyone knows it. And the number, you know, I, they've been wrong about so many things. But the thing they've been so provably wrong about that was so important, and I'm going to tell you, I was right about this, was the school closures. The schools should never have been closed. And that was obvious as early as May 2020, okay? And I'm not, I'm not saying this in hindsight. I said it at the time. Keep the schools open. It is wrong. Kids are at very, very low risk from this. We know this. They don't spread it to teachers. They don't give it to adults. They get it from adults. They should not be penalized. And all these people, all these people on the left, all these health authorities, everyone in the media practically said, you know, you want to kill grandma. I got called horrible things on Twitter and off. Okay. 
And guess what? We're 18 months later, and that is the consensus. The consensus is the school should never have been closed, that we denied kids a year of schooling. We took advantage of them. It was wrong. Okay. Has anybody been punished in any way? Well, I'll tell you who's been punished. The governor of Virginia or the, the governor of Virginia is a, is a Republican or will be a Republican because of this. So the voters know. But the media and the public health authorities and the Democratic establishment have just pretended this didn't happen. And I think that's, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen in a year, 18 months with vaccines, but there's certainly a world in which this all just kind of goes away and we just pretend that we didn't try to get the whole world to get these, you know, get these shots. That the, the efficacy just goes to zero and there's some kind of, uh, uh, you know, halfway decent um, therapeutics out there. And this just goes away because that's what happened with the schools. And it's kind of what's happened with lockdowns in the United States. Nobody seriously is talking about lockdowns again. And so, you know, when I wrote Pandemia, it was stunning to me how wrong they've been on just about everything and how no one has called them on it. Alex Berenson with us now. We've called him on it on this show. You've called him on it, which is one reason you're not allowed to be on Twitter anymore. When you look ahead, Alex, I'm glad that you're writing your book because I think it's so significant to start to put all of these failures together for the public record to be written in the years ahead. Yeah. But right now, we're still in the Joe Biden, if you wear a mask, if you get vaccinated, this thing is going to go away. Is actually natural immunity going to be the savior here in that so many people have had this uh, virus that the number of people that can continue to spread it are going to naturally be diminishing because of the massive spread? Is that actually going to be the savior more than the vaccines, maybe? I mean, it certainly looks that way. I, I, I mean, there's two things, right? There's natural immunity and there's the fact that, you know, the virus should, quote unquote, should tend to become more transmissible, but less virulent, more like a cold. Which that's is what could be happening in, in South Africa if, in an ideal way, right? That this would that's be. Right. That's exactly right. If, you know, if there, if, if what the South Africans are saying is true, that is what's happening. We don't know yet, but that, yes. So those two things, here's the one potential problem. If, if the vaccines don't just sort of cause cause their own immunity to wane in a few months after the antibodies wane, but if they actually interfere with the development of you know your own natural uh, immunity following infection, then we could have this large group of people who are going to be more vulnerable to this than they otherwise would be. And I'm not saying that we know that we don't know that. I'm just saying there's a little bit of evidence that that's a risk. So, but barring that. Yes, everybody's going to get corona. You know, many, many, many people in the United States and around the world have already gotten it. Those people should have good natural immunity now. What do you think? And we're speaking to Alex Berenson. His book, Pandemia, out this week. Alex has been on the front lines and willing to say things that have proven true on COVID when people were literally yelling things at him like, you want grandparents to die. And, you know, and I've, I've had the same phenomenon um, Alex, I'm worried that they're going to rewrite. You mentioned the school situation. I think they're going to they're be furiously the moment that this really just fades and who knows when that will be, but it will come. They're going to be acting like everything they did was brilliant and amazing. And Fauci is going to walk around saving millions of lives or saying that he saved millions of lives. I just want you to react to uh, what, what you think when you hear this guy say in a nationally televised interview that he is science. <laughs> I mean. Uh, he, 
he doesn't even understand what science is if he says that, okay? Science is a process. It's a process of discovery. It's a process of having theories, testing them, and seeing if they're right or wrong. And science is a tool, too, okay? You know, I've said this for a year and a half. Oppenheimer made the atomic bomb, right? Oppenheimer and his scientists. But Truman decided to drop it. It was a political decision, and it was a military decision. Science provides the tool. Science can say, hey, we think masks work really well or they don't work really well. But it is up to us as a people and to our, you know, to our leaders, the ones we decide to lead us, to make the decision, hey, it makes sense to make everybody wear a mask or it doesn't. And that has also been lost from the beginning of this. And it's one thing I write about in Pandemia. The scientists shouldn't be in charge. It is not their role. And we've sort of forgotten that. The masking and the school closures and the vaccine, how does this all end? Last question for you. This is the question that Buck and I have been debating on the show and talking about our listeners with for a long time. How does this all end? How do we go back to normal? When are people not going to be wearing masks on airplanes? Like, what is the time frame still? I mean, I, I think a lot of it has ended. You know, I, I don't wear the mask on the subway anymore when I'm in the when I'm in New York City, and nobody says anything to me. I think I think a lot of people have gone back to normal. Um, you know, if the vaccines are merely useless in the long run and not actually dangerous, let's you know, let's just hope that effect, that effectively over time we're hoping now that they're useless. That, that's right. We're hoping for uselessness. Then then it will just end. Everyone will get everyone will get it. And and you know, we may see a less dangerous, more transmissible strain. And the therapeutics will continue to improve. And, you know, Anthony Fauci will say, I did this with the vaccines. He will be the equivalent of the rooster crowing at sunrise and thinking he made the sunrise. And, in fact, he's just been in the way and made it worse for a year and a half. But I think we'd all take that on team reality right now, right? Let's just have this end. That's, I mean, that's sort of, the, that's sort of my hope at the end of pandemia, that we just, that we just all walk away. Alex, any, any major concerns from you about where this all goes? Well, I mean, you know, there's political concerns. I mean, you see in Europe they're pushing uh, lockdowns, and and I do think you know there's a there's a risk that the vaccines actually are driving some you know long term biological processes that are that are worrisome. I, oh I man, Alex, it, even even bringing that up, let me tell the left gets they're, they're, oh, uh, oh, they get know, very I'm upset not, about that. I'm not saying that there's proof. Okay, I'm saying that it's a risk worth elucidating right now. That's what scientists should be doing, looking at this ruling it in, ruling it out, explaining how it might be happening. So, so there's a medical risk, and there's a risk that somehow this mutates in some terrible way, but I, I, it doesn't actually look after a year and a half like that. So that's a serious risk, but it's a risk. So, so those are the risks. But I guess, I don't know, maybe I'm just in a good mood today because the book is coming out tomorrow. Um, but I, I'm feeling a little more optimistic. I like it. I like the optimism. I'm glad that nothing, you know, that, that the worst case scenarios uh, with regard to some of this stuff have not occurred. And let's let's roll with this optimism and this positivity, Alex, and tell everybody where they should get your book, Pandemia, which anybody who's enjoyed the interviews you've had with us here on the show, many, many, many of them now should definitely pick up. Um, sure. So Pandemia is available in bookstores. It's available on Amazon. Uh, you know, there's an ebook. There's an audio book. Buy them all, buy them for your kids, buy them, you know, it's a, it makes a perfect uh, Christmas present or it doesn't, you know, but, uh, but buy it anyway. Um, but no, really, guys, I love, you know, I love being on with you. I think, I think those of us who see the truth have almost a responsibility to talk about this as much as we can. We've tried really hard, man. Alex, thank you so much. I, by the way, I've really, I've really appreciated you. And, you know, here in New York City in the early days of this thing, 
it felt like there were so few voices of, of sanity when we were going through absolute madness here in the early days. <laughs> uh, you know, just total pandemia, you could even say. Pandemia. And I will say one last thing. The best thing about the book might be the cover picture, which is was taken, which I took just west of Times Square in April 2020. And it is an empty street. And it is it is amazing to me that Times Square was ever empty. And, you know, that should never happen again unless it's smallpox or something that is truly, you know, a threat to a huge swath. Like civilization ending, which is how people were reacting to this thing. Uh, Thanks so much, Alex Berenson. Pandemia is the book. Go get it, folks. Clay, what do we got? Alex, fantastic as always. And now that we've celebrated Thanksgiving, we're into the holiday season, and there's no better way to celebrate the holidays than by taking a trip down memory lane. Many of your favorite memories from years past safely stored away. Old family movies, VHS tapes, Super 8 films. Those are different ways that you might be trying to preserve your past. But one company makes it possible to see and relive those memories again, Legacy Box. They have the best gift idea this season for you or a family member. Their service allows you to digitally transfer all those great memories so they can be seen and shared again. And their Cyber Week sale allows you to get 65% off their regular prices. Legacy Box is the simple and safe way to preserve your irreplaceable family memories. Couldn't be easier to do either. Taken care of in Chattanooga, Tennessee, my mom's hometown. They will exclusive with their barcode online tracking system provide up to 12 emailed updates for all of your cherished possessions. They've been the industry leader in professionally digitizing family memories for over a decade. And right now, Buck, you've got an incredible offer. A great sale right now, and it won't last long. Go to LegacyBox.com slash Buck for 65% off. Shop today. Take advantage of Legacy Box's Cyber Monday sale. LegacyBox.com slash Buck. That's the website. LegacyBox.com slash Buck. You can get 65% off. Remember, you can lock in the deal today and get all your stuff together and send in your box when you're ready. But get that great deal today. Seal those memories forever. LegacyBox.com slash Buck for 65% off. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my from this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Without accountability and teeth in the law, we're never going to have what we need. Uh, I remember a successful effort where we had not only a high visibility, which saved lives and prevented death, but we also had great working relationships with district attorneys, city's attorneys, and there were teeth in the laws that actually created an environment where criminals said, maybe this isn't the place we should come play like we used to. Now they have free, complete reign because our politicians and even our district attorneys, their ideas are more important than victims of crime or protecting their property. The law needs to have teeth. There you have the LA LAPD consultant Dion Joseph there saying, you got to enforce the laws in the books, friends. You got to punish those who are breaking the laws and stealing stuff or else it keeps going. In fact, it gets worse. Clay, more of these thief mobs over the weekend, more video of it. This is organized theft that's happening. This is something that is a plague in retail across the country. It's also directly connected to everybody wearing masks. It's not a surprise to anybody who watched old Westerns. Bank robbers wore masks, and now everybody wears masks, and they rob people like crazy. 20 years ago, 9-11, we suffered one of our nation's worst tragedies. But in the face of that horror, brave Americans responded. Many even stepped forward to enlist in our armed forces. Since then, more than 7,000 U.S. soldiers made the ultimate sacrifice. Those heroes are part of the war on terror, America's response to 9-11. They fought for us but never came home. Now the Tunnel to Towers is honoring those men and women who gave everything by reading their names aloud for the first time ever in a new annual ceremony on Veterans Day. Tunnel to Towers making sure their sacrifice is never forgotten. The foundation season of hope is running now from Thanksgiving to New Year's Eve. At least one mortgage-free home a day being given away for 37 days to honor America's heroes. You can do good in their honor by donating $11 a month at T2T.org. Sign up today, just $11 a month at T2T.org. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We are rolling through the Monday edition. Hope you all had a fantastic Thanksgiving encourage you to go download the podcast join the uh, clay and buck army all you have to do is search out my name clay travis or buck sexton you'll see us pop up go subscribe give us five stars we will be very thankful for you for doing so one of the reasons why this show is growing so rapidly and continuing to add adherence all over the country thank you for word of mouth and sharing it with your friends and family is because so much of the media is fundamentally dishonest. And you see it, 
and you feel it, and every now and then it absolutely crystallizes for you in a perfect tweet, and that happened for me yesterday. I'm kicking back, watching football over the weekend, and I see a CNN story come across my timeline, and it is so absolutely, astoundingly, absurdly, perfectly wrong that I wanted to make sure that we talked about it and didn't fall victim of the same thing that the New York Times, the Washington Post, MSNBC, and CNN, and among other mainstream media outlets are. This was a headline from CNN yesterday. Waukesha will hold a moment of silence today, marking one week since a car drove through a city Christmas parade, killing six people and injuring scores of others. A car, Buck Sexton. Not a man driving a car. Not even more specifically, a black man, it appears, attempting to kill white people at a Christmas parade in Wisconsin in direct response, potentially, to the Kyle Rittenhouse story. A Black Lives Matter supporter who had previously written negative things about white people, racist things about white people on his social media accounts. CNN eliminates him completely from this story and turns it into the story of a car driven by we don't know who running through a city and killing six people. It's shameful and it's embarrassing. And there are reasons that I think are very apparent for why they they do this. On the one hand, there is the very the very serious possibility that this was in some way spurred on. And by the way, this guy, of course, is mentally unstable. I'm sure they'll they'll talk about he has a you know a history of mental mental health issues or whatever. But that's not the factor. I mean, there are tens of millions of people across the country who struggle with mental health issues, and they're not obviously violent, homicidal, mass murdering maniacs, right? So that's not the key fact here that's not the key point of this what is well he had a history of support for blm he had a history of saying he wanted to hurt white people specifically and this is right after the rittenhouse trial so the media at some level might be aware of i think they are subconsciously at least aware of a complicity in the creation of the narrative that rittenhouse was a racial issue when it wasn't right but now it would be, oh, my gosh, not only did we lie about that for so many months because it gave more ammunition, so to speak, uh, to our side in the political fights out there. Uh, but also this has now resulted in loss of life. That's one part of it. And another part of it is, Clay, you know, we could live in a country. We very well could live in a place where we hold individuals responsible for what they do and we don't constantly have people who are trying to push what, you know, one side has collective guilt for things. The other, of course, does not. In this case, conservatives, people who are on the right, whenever anyone does anything that is, even if they're loosely affiliated with the right, we hear about white nationalism and white supremacy and, and the insurrection, the overthrow of the country. Maybe we could just live in a place where we realize that that's reckless to connect people to things to which they have no no connectivity, no ideological or personal involvement in. But the left doesn't want to give that up. They want to keep lecturing every time there's a white school shooter. They want to write editorials about how the biggest danger in America are, you know, angry white men. They CNN want to keep wrote doing that it. story within a day or two that the biggest threat to America was white men. 
And we had a caller who I thought crystallized this last week. Sadly, your identity defines your actions as opposed to as an individual, everybody being responsible for what they did. And it crystallized, great example, Boulder, Colorado. Guy walks into a grocery store in Boulder, Colorado, and mows down a ton of people inside of that grocery store. Early photos of that guy, he looks like a white guy. You can see his skin. Twitter does its thing. The Blue Check Brigade loses its mind blaming white people for white men in particular for all the evils that exist in society. And then it comes out that the guy is a Syrian immigrant, or at least of a Syrian uh, immigrant family. And the story basically disappeared. And the same thing is happening right now with this man who not only hit people while driving his car, Buck, he was steering his car to try to hit as many people as possible. This was a mass murder. In in no way, shape, or form was this accidental, you know, something that just happened, spur of the moment. This guy decided, I'm going to go kill all these people with my car. And that is what he did. It is mass murder. How often have you even seen that term used? How often has anyone used the term terror attack, which this clearly was? We're not even we're not even discussing this anymore. I mean, let's let's be real about this. Kyle Rittenhouse shot three rioters who were attacking him. And it was like the the big story of, you know, the the left saying that the right has gone crazy and and vigilantes and all this stuff. This just happened, Clay. And we're not even talking about it anymore in the media. They're not discussing it. Have you heard a single person talk about this as a potential hate crime? If a white person with any sort of uh, social media history that suggested racism at all had mowed through a black crowd, had hit 50 black people, killing six of them, immediately there would have been a connection to white supremacy and a demand that there be a hate crime investigation. Have you heard a single Republican or Democrat say, hey, can we look into this, uh, can the Department of Justice look into this to see if potentially this was a hate crime can the state of Wisconsin. I haven't heard any of it. Let's be real about this for a second, okay? If instead of, in this case, a black guy killing, a black guy who was a lone BLM supporter, killed out six, on a thousand six dollar people bail. who had it out of a thousand dollar bail for trying to run somebody else over with his car, if the facts changed here and you had someone who was who was a minority who claimed that they had you know, that there were nooses hanging from you would have dozens of FBI agents. You would have the Biden administration investigating the rise of hate in this country and all this. And I'm talking about an incident where no one's actually hurt. I mean, look what yeah, happened totally with true. NASCAR and the pull down string yeah, and all the this. Bubba Wallace story. You had FBI all over the place with this. You have candlelight vigils. It wasn't a tornado that came out of nowhere, folks. It was a mass murder by somebody spurred by hate. And it's a hate that is being fed by a Democrat media apparatus that is constantly self-aggrandizing itself, self-aggrandizing by talking about how racist this country is and how people are being killed for their skin color without consequence all the time. But is that is that representative of the facts? Maybe it's a little reckless, Clay, for the media to run around pretending that this is the most vicious, racist, evil country on the planet when it is actually the opposite of that. Maybe the maybe they should stop this at NBC, but you know, then they'd feel guilty about belonging to their not particularly diverse golf clubs over at you know the NBC <laughs> newsroom. And you know, see, you know, New York Times. Yeah, they all live in really diverse neighborhoods. The New York Times editorial board because they care so much. Well, what should happen is 
what the courts try to do is treat everybody individually responsible for their own actions. And we don't immediately group and identity politics everybody based on what might have happened. And by the way, Twitter bears a lot of responsibility for this because everything that immediately happens that is a tragedy is immediately branded based on the identity of the person, not the individual him or herself. We've learned anything since 2020. So there's nothing quite as important as a powerful immune system. Over 20 years ago, Dr. Dennis Black of Texas created Texas Superfood, the original superfood. 55 vine-ripened fruits and vegetables plus probiotics and digestive enzymes. You can build your body's defense from the inside out. We've learned from Dr. Black the immune system's job is to detect, deflect, and destroy bacteria you come in contact with, which is why Texas Superfood boosts your immune system better than anything on the market. Your grandma told you to eat your fruits and veggies, with busy schedules and fast food, lots of people don't. That's why you need Texas Superfood, the safety net for the American diet. How can people get it, Buck? Look, if you can't, won't, or don't eat all your fruits and veggies every day, Texas Superfood was made for you. Start boosting your immune system for under $2 a day. Go to TexasSuperfood.com slash Buck or call 855-TEXAS-55. That's TexasSuperfood.com slash Buck or call 855-TEXAS-55. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. 
Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What is the difference between a Donald Trump travel ban and a Joe Biden travel ban when it comes to slowing down the spread of COVID, let's just say? Now, there are a lot of things that may come to mind. As I've pointed out, in the early days of the pandemic, we didn't really know nearly as much about it as we do now about COVID. And we had to get hospitals ready. We had to get geared up. But we're geared up now, right? And we also know this variant is all over the place. We understand the, to borrow from Fauci, dynamics of the virus much better than we did before. But then why is it that there are still all these tweets out there from Kamala Harris and Joe Biden and others about how racist it was when Donald Trump had travel bans? But now, before Joe Biden was president, he said that COVID travel restrictions on foreign countries were hysterical xenophobia and fear mongering. So what changed? Well, I would say first to put it in full context, Peter, what the president was critical of was the way that the former president put out, I believe, a xenophobic tweet uh, and how he called that what he called the coronavirus uh, and and who he directed it at. The president has not been critical of travel restrictions. We have put those in place ourselves. We put them in place ourselves in the spring. But no, he does not believe. He believes we should uh, follow the advice of health and medical experts. That's exactly what he did in putting in place these restrictions over the weekend. No, she's rewriting history. That's actually not what the objection was to Trump. The objection was you are doing something that is racist because you're using a travel ban and involves China because you're doing it. It wasn't just because of some tweet. Kamala Harris said it was racism. Joe Biden said it was racism. Nancy Pelosi said it was racism. And now they are doing the same thing to South Africa uh, and other African nations. And it just points out how rank the hypocrisy is when it comes to the way they responded to Trump's travel bans compared to the travel bans that they have now implemented on these African countries, which we hope, by the way, this variant is not going to be as debilitating as so many people in the Biden White House already seem to be preparing for, based on the South African scientist herself who uncovered this variant and said that so far it has been very mild in terms of its overall impact. But it is important to point out how blatantly uh, full of lies so many of the responses to Trump were that are now being embraced by the Biden White House. I mean, they're trying to get Remain in Mexico back in place. We were told that was racist. Uh, they, We should point out, too, that while they are putting a travel ban in place, the border at our south remains 100% open. So if you are concerned about new variants of COVID coming into the country such that you are putting a travel ban in place for many African countries, how in the world are you not testing anyone for COVID as they enter the country? Or, and I would reiterate again, while you're trying to mandate vaccines for citizens, you are not mandating vaccines for anyone entering this country because they know, Buck, that if they tried to do that, they would be struck down as unconstitutional. And then a lot of people would say, wait a minute, if you can't mandate vaccines for illegal immigrants, how in the world are vaccines being mandated for American citizens? Would, and that's a tough battle. I don't know if their act. objection is that it's 
unconstitutional. Maybe, but I don't think they always, first of all, they often don't care, as we know from what they did with the eviction ban, right? They'll do things they know are flatly unconstitutional because they don't want to set the precedent. Well, they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it because they feel differently about illegal immigrants because they're a special protected class of people. So they don't want to stress them out and, you know, put the, oh my gosh, we're going to make you get the shot. No, no, no. Americans have to get the shot. But if you come to the country illegally, you know, you're a special protected class. They're thought of any illegal immigrant. You have to remember this, everybody. Every illegal immigrant Democrats consider to be a victim. It doesn't matter what their status is in life, where they're coming from, why they're coming. If you're an illegal immigrant, you're a victim of America not making you legal. I know that's crazy, but that is actually the thinking of the Democrat Party about illegal immigrants. We do have a particular... Do you mind if we grab this call quickly, Clay? Because this is someone from Waukesha. We brought this up before. George in Waukesha, Wisconsin, has some thoughts to share. George, welcome. Good afternoon, guys. Um, Just want to let you guys know, um, my son, my youngest son, went to or goes to Waukesha South High School. He's a junior. And up until, I would say, probably about six weeks, seven weeks ago, shortly after the school year started, he, he decided to drop out of the marching band. Um... So we know, I know, and he knows, two, two of the four boys that were yeah, injured awful. in that um, he knows really well. I know them really well because I coached them in baseball over the summer. I know their families. I know their parents. Um, very tragic what happened. It's horrific what happened that the guy did. Um, I listened to the police chief news conference last week uh, so I could get some more information on it. And he had stated that, you know, this person, the suspect, was in Frame Park. They were on their way to a disturbance call for a knife fight. They, the police department never even got to Frame Park. So there was no chase on. That's right. For him. He deliberately drove into the parade, the route that he had taken from, the, from where he was at. I've lived in Waukesha almost my entire life, where he was at, at at the frame park with the disturbance call and where he drove to, there were several other opportunities for him to drive away from that parade route, several. Um, he decided to drive down the parade route and mow down all these innocent people. George, it's horrific. Can I just ask you, what, what do you think about the media? We've only got about a minute before they're going to cut us off here. What do you think about the media coverage of this so far? I think it's horrific. I really think CNN has done a bad job, and MSNBC, all of them. Um, the media needs to be held accountable for what's going on in this in this country and in the world. Well, George, that's what we're trying to do here. We appreciate you calling in, and thoughts and prayers to you and, and all the uh, folks of Waukesha for the mass casualty attack that they have suffered. Let's be very clear about what it was. We'll continue to talk about it honestly here on this show, because, Clay, that's what we do. No doubt. It was and appears to have been certainly worthy of a hate crime investigation. You know that if the races were changed, it would be. Why is the media avoiding talking about it? Honestly, we'll continue to ask those questions. We'll be back with you Tuesday. Thanks for hanging with us on the Clay and Buck Show. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.